Mine's good. Life good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Ooh, welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott, physically distancing, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, I'm still physically distanced. It's 2021, and they told me that. I wouldn't have to now, but uh, I guess I guess I didn't get the memo that uh, no, we're still physical distancing. Uh, we are not much is different, other no. than you know the first month or so of the of the year when you go to write dates and yeah. you accidentally put the other year and you go, oh geez, what a dummy I am. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's going to happen for a lot longer now, just because I, I I'm alone. Yeah. And yeah, you're not as aware of it. And I know for me that first, I write checks, uh, I write 12 checks a year um, to pay rent. And that first one in January, I always screw it up and I did it. So I need actually 13 physical checks a year, but I write 12 checks a year. I always screw that first one up. Uh, But yeah, still physically distancing. Uh, Today here in Ottawa, Vera Etches, she recommended masks outside all the time now, a bit of a change uh, from just when you can't physically distance outside to recommending it all the time. So I, Scott, have taken this to the extreme, and I'm trying to make sure that the droplets, as I speak, don't spread anywhere, as I am stir- currently standing in my closet studio with shirts all around me on all directions. So there's fabric that can uh, prevent the spread of my droplets, even though I live alone. That's great, Sean. And and now all of those droplets will be on your shirts. So when you go outside, like, uh, you'll just, uh, well, no, no, they're my, the shirts, they're the shirts I usually would wear to work that haven't been worn since March. (laughs) I actually took a pair of pants uh, a couple weeks ago off the, to, to put on and there was dust on, you know, where they sort of go over the hanger. Cause I hadn't touched them in 10 months or whatever it was. Wow. Yeah, so uh, that's how things stand at the, the start of 2021 over here. And Scott, we thought it'd be fun as the calendar has now turned to 2021 and we leave 2020 behind. If we looked forward to the upcoming year, we hope that this will be a great year for curling, that there will be a lot of events. There is a lot to do that Curling Canada and the World Curling Federation and, of course, national bodies around the world are hoping to accomplish in 2021 as we look ahead to 2022 and what most people hope will be the Beijing Winter Olympic Games just over a year from now, but 13 months from now. So we thought it'd be fun to look forward, Scott, and see what might happen through this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. Uh, uh, it, it's nice to predict some you know safe things that that will for sure come true, but that's not very fun. Yeah. So I have a list of 10 bold predictions for 2021, which actually is more like, like 12, but it's 10 items okay. uh, that are predictions for 2021 that I have put together. I want to get your reactions on these. Which ones do you think are reasonable? Which ones do you think might be a little over the top? And as we go through for the ones that you disagree with, Scott, you can tell me maybe what you think will happen at uh, some of these uh, moments through the course of the year. Yes, that will be uh, that would be perfect. 
All right. So my first bold prediction of 2021 or for 2021 is that Yannick Schwaller and Elena Stern are the teams that will represent Switzerland in the Olympics that the teams that you might expect of Peter de Cruz and the Alina Pats, Sylvana Tiranzoni combo don't make it that it's Stern and Schwaller. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, that uh, Elena Pat Sylvana Tiranzoni team. Ooh, they're, they're going to be tough uh, to count out, but, but of course uh, we did see them not win the Swiss Swiss uh, national championship last year. Is that right? That is correct. That's so that's why I don't know if it necessarily qualifies as a bold prediction. <laughs> right. So that's kind of the basis of your, uh, of your prediction. Hmm. Yeah. A bit of a change in the guard in Switzerland, especially on the women's side where we did see Vinia Felcher step away from the sport. Maybe we'll see another change into the next cycle. If Elena Stern wins, maybe even if she doesn't mm-hmm. that Pats and or Terenzoni look to make some sort of a change and uh, I'm just thinking that this could be the moment where Stern takes the takes the mantle and becomes that Swiss curling team for the next, well, it's Switzerland, so like three years until another team <laughs> becomes really, really good. But, you know, maybe for the next decade as the team that you just regularly will see wearing the Swiss flag. Yeah, that's uh, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. I think uh, either way we'll see shakeups after the Olympics, but. Uh, you know, Tiranzoni and, and Pats were put together to go to the Olympics and to win a medal. And, yeah. and so with COVID maybe changing the way the qualifications are going to work, I mean, Switzerland is, is sort of the other association than Canada that always sort of sends whoever wins no matter what, uh, I wonder if if they might uh, put their thumb on the scales a little bit uh, in this one. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Especially if there is not the opportunity to have a traditional qualifier, uh, we'll see sort of how teams qualify. So yeah, it, it will be curious to see how that goes. And uh, certainly on the men's side, Peter, Peter de Cruz, they've been there a few times, and maybe this is Yannick Schwaller's turn. And by turn, I mean he wins to get there. Like they don't to give get it there, to him. Yeah. But yeah. uh, but he wins. So that is my first bold prediction. Second bold prediction, building off a little bit, we a little bit about what we talked about there with Elena Pats and Silvana Tiranzoni. That team, Scott, I'm predicting that a top five CTRS team makes a lineup change over the summer. Wow! And uh, you're not predicting which one? Well, I have some candidates for who it could potentially be i don't know if i necessarily want to make the prediction of who without having seen anybody play this year okay okay uh are you talking men's or women's or either i'm gonna say that there's one of each one of each uh, in that in that top five yeah and and i think that if i were to sort of if i had to name somebody I think that Chelsea Carey is involved in this in some way. I don't think Chelsea Carey is out of the trials next December. Hmm. That's that's pretty, uh, you know, I think eight months ago or whenever this uh, pandemic started, if you'd said that, 
that uh, like Chelsea Carey wouldn't have a team in January, everybody would have been looking at you like you're crazy, right? Yeah. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense that she would be the one uh, that would hook up with a team somewhere. If I'm thinking about what teams it could be. Look at Alberta. Look at a team that has regularly needed a skip to come in. Yeah. So you're thinking, I'm, I'm, I was thinking maybe Rachel Homan, of course, announced that she was pregnant. Uh, would Chelsea Carey come in and be the super spare uh, for her to get them through? I haven't heard if they're going to play in the bubble or not, um, but that's an option. Are you thinking of Casey Scheidegger? I am thinking of Casey Scheidegger, that Chelsea Carey could potentially step in with that team if necessary for a trial's berth. And uh, I don't know if that would necessarily qualify as its top five. I think Chelsea Carey would qualify as a top five. So I think that could potentially be a fit there and maybe more of a fit than Cheryl as a potential long-term solution for some of those players as we get mm-hmm. to the end of this cycle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I could definitely, definitely see that, especially with with the Scheidegger you know, they're focused a lot on, on work and family, similar to the Krista McCarville rink. So, you know, I don't know how that philosophy might mesh with Chelsea Carey's uber competitive side. But well, maybe here's, here's why the I injection think it could work, though. But, okay. but here's why I think it could work is because the Scheidegger team is more in line with that McCarville schedule. That that would allow Chelsea Carey to play a lot of mixed doubles, which she seems interested in and she wants to do more of. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and uh, Colin Hodgson play together. They're, from all accounts, best friends off the ice. That potentially that could give her opportunities to to do that a lot more and then play the lighter four-person schedule. I, I think this could be an opportunity for her to dabble more deeply in the mixed doubles where I think she would be really good if she turned into a John Morris type where her primary focus was on the mixed doubles. I, I think she has that type of skill set. Yeah, I, I think you're right. She she definitely has that skill set and is is like competitive enough and obviously good enough uh to win at mixed doubles. So yeah, that's uh, that's something. What about uh on the men's side, Sean? Do you see so, yeah, on so on the, on the men's side, I don't think Colton Flash skips his own team through to a trials. I think that he will be on somebody's radar as a one-year end of the cycle, maybe put us over the top, particularly a team whose front end might not be as strong on the sweeping side, potentially. So, you know, would that be a fit potentially with John Epping's team? I obviously someone would have to leave that team, but mm-hmm. maybe there's something on that end that could work. And then of course, there's always the very distinct possibility that Jeff Walker will never be allowed to go back to <laughs> Newfoundland. Yeah. Uh, but I got in that case, neither would Colton flash, but uh, no, I, I do think that flash gets picked up by somebody. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to think of all the possibilities and like, there's not many, nothing's coming to mind except maybe Gunner. Yeah, like he, sure. he picked up uh, Waz this year to play with him, which sort of got lost because I don't know if they played. 
at all. Uh, but but uh, so that team has seen Alex Forrest leave, and and I mean I can see something else, but in the next year, who knows? Who knows? Right? We'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. So uh, so those are my predictions on team lineup potential changes. Scott, let's go right to it and let's uh, go to the trials. Let's make our call for who will represent Canada after the Canadian Olympic curling trials, which are currently scheduled to take place in Saskatoon in early December. Scott, I'm taking Brendan Botcher. I'm taking Rachel Homan. There is a 0% chance that Rachel Homan does not participate in this event, barring some sort of injury you know she's walking down the street and trips on the sidewalk or something slips uh, something, on an icy patch and yeah Alberta. something something yeah. bad happens but but rachel holman will be there i think that this team is there, there's one thing that we know about rachel holman both from watching her on tv and being around the ottawa club that they are not ones to give up they're not ones to sort of feel sorry for themselves that what happened back in 2018 in Korea, that is something that, you know, that they want to fix that. They want to rectify that. And they're going to come, I think just guns a blazing. We have seen them roll through competitions before. I think if they play in the Scotties, like don't take that seriously in terms of the fire that you're going to see from them, you know, December, all systems go, I think they just run roughshod through the field in December and go through to the Olympics for Canada. They're obviously the favorites going in, right? Yes. I, I can't see Jennifer Jones being favored over Rachel Holman at this point in their careers. No, the only the only team right now that you would think about as a threat would probably be Carrie Anderson. That's right. Yeah, that I, I would agree with that. I think... The fire that Holman has all the time has has definitely mellowed a bit as she's gotten a little bit older, had, you know, her family expand a little more perspective on on things, but it's still there. And yeah. I wouldn't underestimate the fact that they really want to, I'll use the word atone, although I, I don't think that's really what they have to do, but, but atone for their performance in 2018 to sort of show not only the rest of the country, but themselves that they've got it in them, right? They, they know that they do and they want to show it. Yep. They're, they're elite athletes for a reason. They've got that fire inside them and nothing would be better than them being able to go and, and a sort of atone or avenge their, you know, defeat in 2018. Uh, that said, Sean, if, if, your prediction is not true and they lose in the trials, I could see their team breaking up right then. Like on the spot, like uh, before they get to the podium for the, to get the silver medal. Silver medal. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be of course, um, Emma not playing with them anymore and, and them shifting to an Alberta base as a team. Right, yeah, that that would be the case. <laughs> well, we know Danielle Inglis will probably be there. So, does Emma do the Garrett Cole and put on a Team Inglis hat while she's standing <laughs> standing on the podium? Yes, that would be amazing. <laughs> I'm there for that. Uh, and then on the men's side, I here's what I'm thinking, Scott, with Brendan Botcher. Obviously, three consecutive Briar Finals, 
We'll see if there is a briar this year, how they finish, assuming that they make it into the briar. I kind of am almost hoping that we get a redux of the Brad Gushu situation where we have a team in the country whose primary goal is to win a briar. It was, I, I enjoyed it for, I know Brad Gushu didn't enjoy it, but for the <laughs> decade that it was the case where every team in the country was elite team, wanted to win the Olympics, primary goal, really just win the Olympics. And Brad Gushu was sitting over here. was like, I've done that. I want to win a briar. I want that again. <laughs> so I think it'd be fun if the botcher team goes, wins the trials, gets to the Olympics, wins a gold medal, and then we have this situation again where th- that would be their top goal, potentially. I think that'd be fun. I also think, though, as we look at the field for the trials and where Canadian curling is going on the men's side, this could be a changing of the guard type year. Mm-hmm. I think Glenn Howard will probably keep playing because that's what he does. I, do, you know, he hasn't really contended at a Briar uh, or a Trials in in a while, so that is probably not a serious contender to win. The Cooey team is full of some older players. Uh, John Epping isn't old by any means, but he's not one of the younger guys on tour either. And what we saw at the Briar last year was the emergence of these younger teams coming up, being very competitive. And it was a lot of fun with uh, Gunner and and Dunstone and certainly Botcher. And I think Botcher is, I think he's the oldest of those guys, but maybe Mm -hmm. he emerges as the, the leader of this next generation of men's Canadian curling. And perhaps it starts this year at the trials. Yeah, I, I absolutely think this will be the changing of the guard. Uh, I wouldn't put it past Cooey to have one last run in a way similar to Holman, right? Uh, you yeah. know, okay, we got to the Olympics and we didn't do what we wanted to do. This is likely Cooey's last cycle as the elite of the elite. Uh, and we even saw last year at the Briar sort of their team drop a bit. Uh, you know, after the high of winning in 2019. But if you ask me of all of the skips on the men's side that will be at the trials and you have one guy to make one shot, I think it's still Cooey. Yes, uh, I agree. Over Botcher and even even over uh, Gushu. So... So whether, you know, anything plays into the fact that like, okay, this is our last chance to do it. Uh, let's try and make them proud. Or do we see a situation sort of like Kevin Martin in, in 2014 right. where, you know, he had won the one before his team had changed a little bit. It was his last trials coming in, trying to, uh, trying to win and got knocked out in the semifinals. So, uh, We'll we'll see about that. I don't quite see Dunstone uh, or maybe Gunlickson or uh, able to come up and challenge yet. Botcher is the exception, and uh, Jason Gunlickson's thirty six, so he is uh, old, the oldest of those. Oh yeah, that's right. You always forget how old he is. Yeah, because he, yeah. he he's so youthfully enthusiastic. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's got pep. Yes, but of course, as we've learned, uh, 36 years old, but he's been curling for 37 years. 
Never, <laughs> never, never forget that. Never forget in the womb he was uh, throwing stones. So, yeah, uh, I, I think Brad Gushu is obviously the other contender in in this mix here, and they're the team that I really wouldn't be surprised would take a step back after this cycle. Uh, most of those guys have families now that are either just starting or, you know, getting to the age where you want to spend more time with them and they want to spend less time with you. So you might, (laughs) you might as well uh, try and take advantage of that uh, while you can. And like for Brad Gushu, he's got nothing else to prove right in the world of curling. No. So unless that fire is really burning, the amount of effort and, and time and money that they spend as a team from Newfoundland being competitive all around Canada, uh, is it worth it to keep doing it? Maybe not. Yeah, and and we know, or we presume, and I'd be stunned if this wasn't the case, that Brad Gushu has a contract with his name on it at Sportsnet that he just needs to sign. Uh, you know, he he's there enough. He's he's put on air enough that that will uh, become a full time gig for him when the time comes that he retires. Nichols, I think Nichols could probably be good on TV as well. And then we would just see where Gallant and Walker go to. I don't think they'd be done by any means. And hey, maybe Gallant finds guys, goes like picks up Casey, and they put together some sort of PEI contingent. Who knows? Uh, you know, sure. get Josh Berry back in in the game and uh, at the competitive level, and and then in some sort of import, and maybe you figure something out like that. Who knows? But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that team. After uh, I fully agree. Uh, but in terms of the young teams, I also forgot to mention they weren't at the Briar last year, but Tyler Tardy is another one that when we're looking at a change into the guard, can't forget those guys out of BC. And it'll be fun if they are as competitive as we think they will be to have BC as a, a contender at Briars again. Yeah. And and like, let's not be surprised, Sean. I don't know if they'll have the points to qualify to get into the trials, given the way things are going. But if, Free trials. if they... Well, if there's pre-trials, who knows? If there's but, a pre-trial, yeah. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, sort of snuck up and became the, you know, Jason Gunlickson of 2009 or even the Brad Gushu of 2005 that uh, sneaks in as the young upstart team and shocks the world. So, right. Yes. I don't know if kind of really shocked the world in 2009. Well, I don't know if it was 2009. It was... What, there was a year he got to the trials and everything. Yeah, no, like, it was. It was 2009. They didn't win a game, so I don't know who they shocked. That's well, I think they shocked the world by getting there. Yeah, maybe. Potentially. Uh, they shocked the world. This is actually another bold prediction, Scott. As you mentioned, Gunner shocking the world. One of my bold predictions is that Gunlickson throws a sub three-second hit. I think Whoa. I think he can do it. All right. I'm I'm looking at uh, Jerry Gertz to be keeping the the time stats now. Yeah, get your stopwatches out whenever he uh, he throws one. There, there was there was a, a shot at some point where during those trials in 09, he it was a morning draw because Russ was on it, and that was when Russ was doing the morning draw with uh, with Mudrick. And they it, it wasn't the feature game, but they went over to it, and Russ is like, "Yeah, here's a little hack waiter," and he just whipped it and made it. Uh, like the the people from the other sheet were coming over to give him high fives and stuff. It's like <laughs> it was kind of crazy little hack waiter oh boy yeah so uh so my next bold prediction for 2021 scott is that for the mixed doubles olympic spot in canada which i realize this won't necessarily be a 2021 thing i I believe this would the the trials for this would happen in january 2022 but it's part of the 2021 
cycle. Mm-hmm. That a mixed doubles specialist team will win the trials, and it will not be two people who play primarily, if not exclusively, four person who parachute in using their points into the trials. So I'm going with either Kirk Myers and Laura Walker, or, and I kind of am rooting for this a little bit more, the Sahidic Lot team to win the mixed doubles trials to represent Canada. Wow. This is uh this is a bold prediction, Sean, because um the last time I checked, Laura Walker and Kirk Myers both had uh, full time employment on their <laughs> the four person game. Yes. Now I realize that this would involve them losing and neither of their teams uh winning, but they do play in the mixed doubles uh, still. They they participate. They they're not I guess what I'm getting at is that they're not players who are going to be like, oh my God, we just lost the four-person trials early December. All right, now who am I going to play with in January to get this spot? But this is, it, it is an established mixed doubles team. Okay, okay. So fair, fair enough. I, I'm wondering, uh, here's some other primarily mixed doubles teams that uh, I, I want to get your take on whether they can... They can challenge. Okay. Uh, team Martin and Griffith playing out of Saskatchewan. Ooh, no. No. Okay. They are currently the highest ranked Canadian mixed doubles team. Uh, Clancy Grandy and Pat Jansen. Yes. I think they could. Those are two really good players, and they are versatile enough to make any shot. The dynamic duo out of Ontario. Uh, And then the last one, because this is getting boring, the Tucks. The Tucks always have a chance. The Tucks will be there. And you know what? The Tucks will 100% be the most entertaining team when they have a TV game. So I'm all in on that. All right. So just uh, I'm looking at the world curling team rankings for mixed doubles right now. Can you guess, Sean, uh, the ranking of the... Sahidic and Lot ranking within five positions. I'm going to say that they are in the world. In the world. 44th. 28th. Okay. There you go. Better than I thought. Better than you thought. It's pretty good. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at that. I know that there was a lot of pushback in 2018 when Caitlin Laws and John Morris won. I can't remember who wrote it. I want to say Steve Simmons wrote a really stupid article about how two people who hadn't played together winning a gold medal cheapened the whole event and they should just get rid of mixed doubles. And that article obviously was not based on any sort of reality. But I do think, or I I do think it's more fun to have a team that's played together and you have been able to see their progression together as opposed to individuals. Caitlin Laws and John Morris, obviously we'd watched for years and years, but we'd never seen them together as a team. Whereas if we have people who have played together for a while, even if it's Jones and Lang, that could be fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, have people who we, who we know as a, a partnership and they've built towards this as, as opposed to just coming together just for this event. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. And Sean, if you're ever thinking of who wrote that stupid article, it's probably Steve Simmons. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, yeah, uh, that that should be the tagline uh, 
for his uh, career. Great. So, uh, so next up on my bold predictions for 2021, Scott's going to stick with some Olympic stuff. And for this one, I'm going to say that the World Curling Federation combines all Olympic qualifying into a single event that the world championships do not run as currently planned as we record this as currently scheduled that the world curling federation figures out some sort of a plan to have a major qualifying event as opposed to the world championships and then a supplementary qualifying event it all just comes into one event to get to the olympics in beijing okay so sort of hey team send your best players this is to go to the olympics yeah, and right. and it's weighted in some way that it's not a case where you know Canada's playing a team that is ranked you know fortieth on the list, and oh my God, there's a pick and Canada's out of the Olympics, sort of thing. It's uh, it's a structure that is equitable, but it also forces teams to compete. Okay. Okay. Uh... I kind of like this. I kind of like it. Um, like, like the sort of thing was like, so you take the teams that are have qualified for this year's world championships, and then you take the next, however many teams or whoever wants to show up and the teams who didn't qualify for the world championships, maybe have a double elimination for them, but it's a triple elimination for the teams in the world championships or, or something like that. Right, right, right. So you get kind of a, like a free pass in the first round, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I could see that. That'd be really fun. I think it'd be a fun event, uh, you know, for them to produce and watch. Uh, I wonder where it will be, but uh, yeah, you know, well, it'll be in the fall. This is also part of this prediction is that this is in the fall, right? So that the spring worlds get canceled is basically your contention. Yeah, I, I don't know as we sit here today in early January how this international travel would would really work and uh, whether or not it is feasible or, you know, given the number of Canadian politicians who have resigned things uh, this week, whether or not international travel uh, optically would be the greatest idea. Well, Sean, I was just thinking they could be the ones to consult on how to travel internationally, right? (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So I I do think we're going to see a a pretty big change in how the World Curling Federation will decide on the nations for the Olympic Games. And having it all in one place potentially makes it a little easier just logistically for them. So we'll see, see if that one plays out. For sure. All right, my next bold prediction. Now, this might be the boldest one of all. Oh, boy. Give it to me. Curling Canada will make a decision that people don't like. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) I know. Um, But people will criticize Curling Canada over some decision. Wow, Sean. Uh, This is definitely your boldest prediction ever. Uh, I got to say, you're crazy. Definitely no chance of this happening. Ah, come on. We all know it'll happen. Yeah, uh, it happens all the time. Happens every year. I don't know what it'll be though. I'm guessing it'll be some sort of minor something. Uh, you know, I, I think even something as as silly as there was the issue last year with Dan Carey at the Scotties, where he had to apologize for uh, something he said to one of the officials during a timeout, mm-hmm. and 
after that, I was thinking, well, just put, because one of the issues was that he had to walk from the home end to the away end for the timeout, and he felt that they had started the clock too fast on him, uh, that he wasn't able to get enough time at the home end. So my thought was, well, just put tables at both ends, and then the coaches and the fifths can walk back and forth at each end so that they're behind the play, that the the rocks are coming towards them each end. Even something as silly as that, as as non-consequential as that, if Curling Canada did that, somebody would complain about it. I, I'd complain about it. As you were saying it, I was like, that sounds stupid. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, so that is uh, one of my bold predictions. Here is one of my favorites, Scott, is that there is a European championship in the fall of 2021 and that England, both on the men's and the women's side, makes it into the Euro A group this year. Wow. Wow. That is, I think that is the boldest prediction that you've, uh, that you've made today. There you go. I mean, they've been on the fringe lately, right? On, yeah, on they've both. been really close. Really the close. Like one game last year. Yeah. And I mean, you know what could really make this happen, as sad as it is, maybe like, uh, maybe a country like Estonia not sending a team or you know, one of those countries that's kind of bubbling between A and B. Yep. Maybe not uh, sending a team or, or Turkey or uh, something like that. So I, I could see it happening, but this is definitely your boldest one to date. Well, I'm rooting for it. You know, Jonathan's <laughs> there. He's been in lockdown for like eight straight months or something crazy. Um, you know, even where the place he lives comes out of lockdown, he goes somewhere to be in lockdown he really yeah. hasn't had the greatest lockdown luck. So I think things turn around for him at the Euros. Yeah, and uh, they're back in lockdown now, right? So yeah, light some light at the end of the tunnel would be nice. Yeah. Uh, my next bold prediction for 2021, Scott, that the Korean Women's National Final is the game of the year. Ooh, this is, this is very very uh, clearly something that might be the game of the year. Yeah. yeah um, this one is not nearly as bold. <laughs> no, that that's some good, great teams they have in, in Korea for sure. Yeah. So we would uh, expect, or maybe my, my expectation would be, it'd be Kim and Kim, Unjun uh, Kim and Minji Kim playing each other in the final. Of course, Unjun uh, Kim just had the uh, great victory last month to recapture the Korean South Korean women's championship and uh, a great redemption story for that team. And it'd be really fun to see them play again, continue the success. And those two teams are just so good that when you get to this 2021 version of the South Korean curling championship, so much more on the line, maybe that game, the the stakes are that much higher. Maybe it just ratches it up to another level. And those two, two, and if those two teams come with their A games, that could be on the lines of what we saw with Tiranzoni and Hasselberg a couple of years ago, potentially. Uh, just really one of those great back and forth games. Yeah, and uh, I'm here for it. All right, my last bold prediction of 2021. Scott, are you ready for this one? Oh, I don't know. So sure. I, I deboldened it a little bit after a bit of a Google search, but I'm sticking with it in part that in the course of 2021, 
TSN makes a change in the broadcast booth? Oh boy. Are you talking main broadcast booth? No, that's what happened on the Google search. I think uh, I, I think this is Mudrick. Uh, that Mudrick is he's doing Canadians this year. Yeah. Given the TSN schedule with the Canadians, I do think that they might need a new morning person for at least the bubble potentially. Because for him to get in and out of the bubble, I, I don't know how that would work if he if he's going to do Canadian games. So that would be the change there that you get somebody else to do those morning draws or Mudrick just does everything remotely. Any leading candidates? That's tough, right? Cause I don't know if there's anybody on staff who could immediately step in and do a good job with that. Yeah. Because that is really more the play by play straight version. Yeah. Of, of that job. Whereas, uh, for a commentary side, my mind went to Bob Weeks for some reason. Yeah, um, Weeks would be good. Not not uh, bad at at giving the flavor, or the the extra commentary. But yeah, play by play. Who knows? Maybe they uh, maybe they call up Rona. Well, that I did write that down. That we, <laughs> but then I didn't want to get too selfish in Canada okay. on the TSN. But if you put Rona in the TSN family of curling broadcasters. Like, oh my goodness, that would be amazing. And I would expect that uh, Jennifer Jones has a spot at TSN whenever she decides to hang it up. And mm-hmm. that all that would mean is that that Goche might get to sleep in <laughs> a couple days a week during <laughs> these events, potentially. Yeah, potentially. That'd be all right. Yeah, and I, I do think that one of the strengths of the Sportsnet booth, which... I don't know. It doesn't have as many strengths as the TSN booth, but you do have the rotating voices, which over the course of the week can be pretty good. So potentially you could go with a group that does, or maybe two groups with that rotates. And one is always morning. One is always night. And then they trade off the afternoon games so that you do two games one day, one game, the next sort of thing. So maybe you strengthen it up and go to three people booths on both sides and go change your reporter for all of it or something like that. But, you know, just bringing in some other voices would be great. How about this, Sean? Bob Cole out of retirement. Yeah. he's It's a game that he knows, played it for a long time. He wouldn't have to, you know, follow the puck. So <laughs> he, he wouldn't mess up, mess up people's names as much. Yeah. Mm. That'd be good. And instead of the big char, we'd have the big Muscawi. <laughs> oh, it's big Muscawi making a big triple. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, or the other thing too is, would it be a case of if if Mudra cannot do it, does Gauthier, can she do play-by-play? I, I would imagine she could. She's really good at yeah. everything. Uh, and then you bring in somebody to serve as a color person with her. We've seen Steph LeDrew. We like Steph LeDrew. Does she come back to do it uh, depending on what her schedule is or somebody else locally out there in Calgary? I think Heather Nedowin could be an interesting choice. Someone out there in Alberta who could step in and, uh, or maybe Amy Nixon. Mm -hmm. I kind of like both of those and it it would be nice to have uh, maybe a female 
play play by play whatever lead announcer uh, in the booth there for curling. I think uh, that would be, uh, I think, a welcome added voice to the coverage. Well, now you're just talking about getting Rona here again. I don't. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes, we want Rona, uh, of course. Um, but no, you know, I, I agree. Like when you listen to uh, Doris Burke do NBA games, for instance, or Beth, uh, I can't remember her last name, who does some NFL games, uh, they're good. They're great at it, right? So obviously yeah. you have to get somebody who's good at it the way they're good at it. Uh, but certainly it would be interesting to see if, uh, or, or, you know, again, if Gauthier did it, I mean, she's been in TV long enough to be able to do play by play. And just to see the interplay between two former players, assuming they get a color person who has played, that that'd be a lot of fun just to see that back and forth on a Tuesday morning at the Scotties or Briar. Absolutely. So, Scott, there you have it. Those are my bold predictions for 2021. Is there any bold prediction that you think is completely unreasonable? Well, that uh, curling Canada will make a mistake, Sean. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But uh, obviously, no. I, I'm going to add just my little uh, a little bonus bold prediction for you here. All right. So, mixed doubles at the Olympics will be going from eight teams to ten teams in 2022. Okay. So obviously, we're going to get two new nations that weren't there. Uh, in in 2018, yeah. uh, but my big prediction is that one of those nations is going to be from a non-traditional curling power. Okay, all right. The, Do you want to take a shot at which non-traditional curling power that will be? So, my, uh, I don't really want to, but um, <laughs> I'll I'll put it between uh, two different nations right now, and that will be either. Australia or Hungary? Okay. I think Hungary is probably a safer choice. So I'm looking at the world rankings by association right now, and Hungary is 15, and they've dropped six slots. Yeah. Since whenever they the last made one the was. playoffs at, at a mixed doubles at least, and probably have won a game or two in the playoffs. And they've got uh, the number six ranked team in the world and the number 13 in mixed doubles. Okay, so, so this is no longer a bold prediction. Well, if they're at 15th in the world rankings right now. Yeah, but it, they have a be team tough. that's 6th and a team that's 13th. Well, you know, they still got to perform at the, uh, the right time. It's not, a, it's not a gimme. But a non-traditional curling power nation, you know, something somebody that we haven't seen at every men's and women's worlds. Right. Or, or even a few, right? So For sure. That's, that's my prediction. Okay, I like it. Uh, I'm going to go, what, 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 maybe the Belgians. How about them? We got an email from a member of the Belgian curling team. We we're trying to set up an episode. It was a great idea that we got. So uh, I'll give a shout out when we set that episode up. But uh, shout out to Belgium. I love Belgium. You know, Scott, I've been to Belgium four times, all part of work, and I've never had a Belgian beer in Belgium. Wow. I know. So, uh, all right. So you got a non-traditional curling power. Does a non-traditional curling power sneak into the four team or four person team? I would say no, no. no. Okay. 
All right. So there you have it. Our predictions for what will come in 2021. I've written all of these down at the end of the year. We will revisit them and uh, just see how stupid uh, some of these <laughs> were. And uh, so Gunner, if you're listening, three seconds, bud. Just whip it. Doesn't even have to be in a game. Just go do it in a practice. That would be great. Uh, do it in a practice. A tweet it. It'll yeah. Give me a one for one on that. Uh, so that'll do it for this week. Hope everybody had a healthy and happy holiday and that 2021 finds you well. As we said at the end of 2020, looking forward to this year and continuing to do the show. Uh, hopefully it can you know keep building this community that we have here with the show and some of the other curling podcasts, which we've very much enjoyed being a part of. So please come along with us and subscribe if you have not yet, wherever it is you get your podcast, give us the likes, the ratings, comments, all that good stuff helps other people find the show, keeps us growing. And be sure to let us know what you want to hear on the show. You can email us Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones pod. Scott is at Scott Lakes TV and I am at the Sean Graham. And head on over to GameofStonesPod.com. You can find all of our past episodes there, as well as the link to the T-shirts, which we are still selling. All proceeds going to Food Banks Canada, and we are matching those proceeds. Now, Scott, we did not coordinate our end-of-year donations, so I don't know what the total is up to, but because we didn't say who was doing the matching. So I don't know. I did one. Did we match together and basically turn it into like a quad donation? I think we might have, Sean. Yeah. Okay. So we like double matched for this last batch. There you go. It's uh, it's all good though. All good cause, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, no regrets about that. So I also uh, gave a, a donation to the Sandra Schmerler Foundation as a Christmas gift to myself. You know, we talked about uh, mm-hmm. what would be a good Christmas gift. Sandra Schmerler Foundation is, is another one. So uh, a lot of great uh, causes out there. And look out for the curling calendar that uh, the 2021 one, which is not men or women this year. It's a mix of everybody. And all the proceeds from that go to some great causes as decided by the curlers themselves. So a lot of great causes, a lot of things you can purchase curling related, whether it's our shirts or the calendars or, or some other merch. That is all going to great causes as we turn the page to 2021. So, Scott, Sean. that's it. First episode of 2021 in the books. What do you think? I like it. I like it. I think it's pretty good. Did you make any bold predictions last year that we forgot to revisit? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think we did either. I'm just uh, double checking. No, because last year there were games to talk about, <laughs> right? We yeah. probably did a Continental Cup discussion or a something else discussion. I, like, you know, we had actual Some... curlings to talk about. We didn't have to come up with these type of what do we do shows. Of course. <laughs> you know, of course. Um, but I'm sure if I did make predictions, they were all correct. And uh, I think it was pretty plain to see in early January that all of curling would be shut down. Yeah, that would have been a pretty bold prediction. Yeah. And yeah, whatever predictions, if we did make some last year, other than the Scotties, Briar, and maybe if we said anything, any predictions about the Continental Cup, other than that, they're all moot. They don't count as wrong predictions, I don't think. They're right. 
they're moot. It's like they were taken off the board. It's like a bet at Vegas. If you bet on the game and the game gets rained out, you don't lose the bet. The right. game is just off the board. True that. 2020 off the board. Sure is. And uh, we're looking forward to getting back into the swing of things here in 2021. So we will be back with you next week to do that. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.